Hi, I'm Jeremy Larson, the Reviews Director of Pitchfork, and this podcast is supported by Pitchfork Music Festival. Pitchfork Music Festival will take place July 19th through the 21st at Union Park in Chicago, Illinois. This year's lineup features Jamie XX, Alanis Morissette, Black Pumas, Carly Rae Jepsen, Brittany Howard, Jay Paul, Muna, Jesse Ware, 100 Gex, and many more. The festival also features diverse vendors as well as specialty record, poster, and craft fairs and works to support local businesses while promoting the Chicago arts and food communities as a whole. For more information on tickets and lineup, visit pitchforkmusicfestival.com. This is the Pitchfork Review. I'm Pooja Patel, the Editor-in-Chief. And I'm the Review's Director, Jeremy Larson. Today, we're talking about one of my favorite indie pop artists, Caroline Polachek. Her new album, Desire I Want to Turn Into You, has been teased over the past two years, and it's overflowing with emotion, nostalgic 90s influences, and so much more. Here with us to dive into it all is Associate Editor Kat Zhang. Hello, Kat. Hello. I feel like Caroline Polachek is like widely beloved amongst the staff, especially amongst the quote unquote academic pop girlies of which I designate Kat One herself. And that is for really good reason. She's had this insane career. Right, Jeremy? Yeah. I mean, she's been in and around the music industry for the almost 20 years now. Yeah. Um, and she formed Chairlift, this indie pop band, in the like, mid-2000s. Uh, and it originally was a trio, and then it became a duo. So mainly, she worked with this producer, Patrick Wembley. And I think like in 2006, they moved to Brooklyn, and they were part of this like Brooklyn scene of basically like indie rock bands, like mm-hmm. Grizzly Bear, Dirty Projectors, and Vampire Weekend. And Chairlift, they were all kind of, I don't know, it was just like a really interesting time because bands could go for from nobody to somebody because of an iPod commercial. Totally. Like, which is, again, like an interesting like time stamp of like Feist did that with one, two, three, four. And then like a big thing happened with Chairlift when their song Bruises got picked up by an iPod commercial. And then immediately after that, they were signed at Columbia. I tried to do handstands for you. I tried to do handstands for you. Every time I fell on you, yeah, every time I fell. The yeah. glory days of indie. Yeah, when Steve yeah. Jobs could make or break your career. <laughs> um, so yeah, they, bruises kind of like took them to a whole nother level. And then they like, a lot of people started liking their music. Like Solange became a big fan. And then like through Solange, they got connected to Beyonce. And Caroline Polachek wrote a song for Beyonce, um, which ended up on Beyonce's self-titled album. The song was called No Angel. I love you even more than who I thought you were before, because you But it definitely signaled a shift from the early sort of indie pop, bouncy, alternative aesthetic of chairlift into something a little bit more of a searching for a larger, broader audience. And then she went solo. I feel like the Beyonce transition really did start setting Caroline apart as someone who could be a standalone artist, producer, singer, kind of aesthetic curator. Like she started kind of peeling off around then and becoming her own artist. Her big breakout was Pang from 2019. And that had 
a bunch of really wonderful songs. Um, Door, but I think her big hit from there was So Hot You're Hurting My Feelings. That album was produced by Danny L. Harrell of mm-hmm. PC Music. That sets the stage for where we are right now. Yeah, and a thing about Caroline, you know, is that she lives in this world. You mentioned Danny L. Harrell, who is adjacent to the PC Music crew. Um, mm-hmm. She is good friends with and a collaborator of Charlie XCX, of Christine and the Queens. Um, Kat, as kind of... A fan of all of those artists, I, I would say, um, but especially Caroline, what makes her so compelling and interesting and different as a pop artist? I would say, like, the meticulousness and the breadth of her vision and, you know, the kind of almost cerebral aspect. Like, we did a mood board interview with her back around Pang, and some of the influences that she lists are just crazy like 17th century french black work engraver jacques hertu oh him oh jacques oh yes like 1950s disney illustrator like 1998 fall winter versace campaign Uh i remember when i interviewed her for a brief thing before the pitchfork festival in 2021 she was like really into scents from freud's granddaughter and she was like searching for one that smelled just like sweat uh-huh. Like, who, who is like, who has such curated influences in that way? Uh-huh. And all of that sort of cultivation and like those, those like fascinating detours, the intricacy of her mind really shows through on the album. But despite being someone who is so cerebral, like the album doesn't come off as like, you know, like brain in a jar, whatever. It's very sensory. It's very attuned to Mm -hmm, pleasure. It's mm -hmm. very attuned to like what it is like to be a human and to be in someone's thrall, which I think is beautiful. Which speaks to the title of the album, Desire, comma, I Want to Turn Into You. I love the album title. I think it's fabulous. And it works on so many levels. Like when you're really into someone, you want to know everything about them, almost to the point where you want to be them. Like there's this whole like, subgenre of TikToks where girls are just like, I want to crawl into my boyfriend's skin, which is kind of weird. But like, <laughs> sure, body horror as a sign of affection. Yeah, but like, and, I, and I get it. Um, so it's, you know, the, the title kind of gestures to the idea of like really wanting to fuse yourself with someone else. Mm-hmm. But also like desire as a concept is such a beautiful concept, but being the desirer is a really hard and sometimes painful thing. To turn into desire would be to like have access to this beauty but to not be subjected to the pain of it. I mean, so hot you're hurting my feelings. She's been seeding this idea for years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like the thing about Caroline and even her tastes that you mention is that she has kind of vaulted herself into this mythological being, like a a person written about in the classics. I want to read something, actually, from one of our contributors who is also... A writer, Shah D'Souza, did an interview with Caroline, and she said that she wanted to capture, quote unquote, the mania that comes with desire and striving. In discussing her album art, she said, I need to look desperate and pathetic. (laughs) I need to show a side of vulnerability and openness that's not pretty 
a darkness that is an essential part of being alive. And can we describe the album art, which was the gateway into this kind of insane teaser album cycle? Like, we've been getting little blips of this over the last two years, and I feel like the album art was part of that. I love the album art. I was on the subway, and I sent you guys a Slack that's like, I'm on the subway. I'm going to crawl through it now. <laughs> you um, did. What she is did. Can confirm. Cal, <laughs> what is? can you describe the album art? It is an image of Caroline in her Port-a-Pro headphones crawling on the floor of the subway, like this grimy floor, and she is crawling to sand as if like the end of the subway is like a beach. And like the filter on it is very like early 2000s, like adult contemporary vibes. Daniel Haro and his child are like in the background. And it really does capture that sort of like striving and desperation. I think it's so imaginative. Like it really feels like sometimes you're on the subway and you're listening to a song and it just sounds like so good. And you were transported somewhere. You you were like, you feel like on the subway, you're really going to some alternate future. You're really excited for where the subway will lead you because of the music you're listening to. And that's a lot of what it conjures. Um, and then, yes, the beach aspect is like the, the fantasy. I mean, there's desire for a person and then there's desire for what that person represents for a better life, for all of that stuff. So, Kat, to live in your brain, because when I take the subway, I am not always taking it to an aspirational future self. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm taking it to work. (laughs) To be clear, not every subway ride is amazing. But like when you listen to a really great song on the subway, it can be transportive in that way. Absolutely. I also think it's it's a we can go back just a little bit in time to Chairlift's song Crying in Public. Right. Because that became uh, this kind of anthem like in this like post selfies are radical post we're all sort of sharing things on social media that became a little bit of an anthem too of of it's okay to sort of express yourself in these public spaces Now to go back to the most public of crying spaces, the subway, uh, is where you often are just sort of like watching people like, oh, my God, somebody is just like weeping in the corner or something like that. I mean, Um, and and the other song that was a hit from Pang was Door, uh which is literally about being back in the city and going through door after door after door to get back to you. So, yeah, there is a through line in this kind of ideology and mythology building for Caroline. And yet, this album, <laughs> I would not describe it as a New York album in, in, in any well, way. Really. No, it's we're, we're going to her island. Yeah. This is not her New York album. No. Caroline spent a lot of the time writing this album in isolation and also on an island, on the island of Sicily. Yeah, I think after Pang, we immediately went into lockdown. She went through a really hard experience where I think she got diagnosed with COVID, but also her dad got diagnosed with COVID. And they have had a pretty tense relationship. But I think 
they had a FaceTime call and then he shortly after passed away from COVID. And so she had to reckon with all of her grief and sort of ambivalent feelings, but also love for her father. That shows through a bit on the album. At some point, she went to Italy. I think she had an Airbnb at the bottom of Mount Etna and was just like looking at lava and volcanoes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, real White Lotus season two stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this album is so White Lotus coded. Um, (laughs) Um, And talking about kind of how her time in isolation, her time in Italy, and just dealing with the grief of her father's death, it all kind of comes to a head and declares itself in the first song, Welcome to My Island. So Caroline Polachek's father was a historian of the Qing dynasty, and he taught at Princeton and Columbia. So he's obviously someone who was very much a kind of like a classic intellectual. I'm sure she got a lot of that from him, what we were talking about earlier with his very cultivated influences. Like that's how she's sort of her father's daughter. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, he was a classical musician, and he didn't really like pop music. He didn't really have any respect for it. So he never really went to see any of her shows. When he died, she wrote an Instagram caption about him. And I think the beginning of the Instagram caption is basically like an admittance like he wasn't a really good father. Like he didn't Mm -hmm. really offer that kind of nourishment and support that you want from a father. But at the same time, he was such a brilliant person. So, yeah, on the first track, Welcome to My Island, it's kind of a processing of their relationship. She says, like, I'm my father's daughter at heart. But also there's this part where it's like, it's all your fault. The blood is turning red. There's the kind of like turbulent aspect of it. And also, I think out of the songs on this album, I kind of feel like her dad would dislike Welcome to My Island the mm-hmm. most just because it is <laughs> like she's like doing the bratty rapping. Like it is the most sort of. There's some millennial yelping in there. And then there's the like brain damaged Charlie XCX remix. I say this very lovingly as someone who really likes the remix. I guess I'm on my Richard Branson wave, no virgin, but I know just how to behave. Cause I can be a good girl, box and milkmaid, or you can drive me down to Florida and fuck me for days. Like at the start, thinking you knew that I was dangerous. I've done a couple bad things if you catch my drift. I told him, baby, you can pull up on the landing strip, and if you do it right, welcome to my island, bitch. So, yeah, the most sort of like leaning into dumb, fun pop. Yeah, I mean, I think when I originally heard this song, which was what, the fourth single released from this, it almost seems in a way that what Charlie XCX was doing on her last album, like a pop song about pop songs, right? right? Like a little bit of a comment about a comment on it. Right. And now like with the context about her father, with that little sort of talk down, you know, I think we were all sort of joking. And sometimes the first time you listen to it, it's like, oh, Carolyn Polachek is rapping in the middle of this. But really, it's when you listen to it and you take it in the context of her losing her father and sort of the grief of her father, it does feel almost like some sort of like eulogy or just some sort of like I can't sing this I just have to say it and I have to speak it in a way I don't want the emotion of my voice to color how I actually feel about this moment I am my father's daughter in the end he says watch your ego watch your head girl you're so smart so talented but now the water's turning red and it's all your fault and it's all your mess and you're all alone I can't go to bed too high on your adrenaline I gotta go somewhere where you can't pretend to you know, she's so smart. I think that she's so clever. And when this song came out, I think we all were just kind of like, what is going on with this album? You know, we had Bunny as a Rider first, then Billions, then Sunsets, then Welcome to My Island. And so... Stretch it, out over 
a year and a half. Over a year and a half. And we were all just kind of like, Wait, what is this now? But then in context with this opening the album, it's kind of like, here's where I'm at. You're welcome to come into my world. And it's very tongue in cheek and kind of like coy. Mm-hmm. The music video has her jaunting around an island, but <laughs> it is revealed that she is gallivanting around with something that looks like a a goat. Um, <laughs> she uh-huh. reaches out her hand as she is crooning longingly and out comes like the hoof of a goat to hold her hand and then they gallivant alongside the beach. It is really charming. And and I almost feel like with that being the opener, it sets the tone for the just insane number of influences and references and like left turns on this album that somehow work together. We see trip hop. We see like folkloric Celtic vocals. We see electronic dance music. We hear bagpipes. Um, Bagpipes. (laughs) It is all over the place and works. We've got some like Madonna ray of light moments. Mm -hmm. We get some like soak up the sun kind of guitar Mm -hmm. pop moments. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of Imogen Heap, Fru-Fru influence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons that it really works, despite all of these sonic influences, is because her vocals just sound so good, and yeah. it really like carries you through the song. Yeah. I'm David Remnick, host of the New Yorker Radio Hour. There's nothing like finding a story you can really sink into that lets you tune out the noise and focus on what matters. In print or here on the podcast, the New Yorker brings you thoughtfulness and depth and even humor that you can't find anywhere else. So please join me every week for the New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts. I want to know what your favorite track is on the album and why. Kat? I think it might be Blood and Butter. I love how in the title there's already this mix of like death and pleasure in there, Mm -hmm. getting at all the dimensions of desire. You know, it's also cool because there are a lot of switch ups, like a guitar pop moment and then this sort of digital beat. And then there's this epic bagpipe part to it. And I just think it's so fun. Um, and, and then there's this sort of like vocal fugue thing at the end uh-huh. where, uh, you know, it's like a row, row, row your boat thing. But but <laughs> but I'll keep like going down and down and down. Uh, I love that. I, my favorite track is I think still Billions. Uh-huh. Um, we talk about her voice a lot. This is going to sound really basic, but it's literally the notes she decides to sing because she'll sing the first part up the octave. And then right in the second verse, she goes down the octave and it is. Like my stomach falls out mm-hmm. of my body because mm-hmm. it's so arresting and it's such like an interesting choice. And then by the end, there's like this children's choir that comes in. Mm-hmm. 
also just love when uh, indie pop girly can make an anthem out of a phrase. Psycho, priceless, good in a crisis. I mean, like, whomst can relate. In this room, all three of us, as we discussed, if you wanted to designate who was the psycho, who was priceless, and who was good in a crisis, I think we could juggle that between us. um, (laughs) Sure. Infinitely. Yeah. I'll I'll take Psycho. I'm I'm good with that. (laughs) I'll take it. Pooja, what about you? I, you know, Blood and Butter is one of them for me, too. Billions is definitely one of them. Bunny is a Rider was my song of the year when we made it our song of the year. One of the things, just to speak to Blood and Butter again, that I am obsessed with is the idea that in listening to one song, you can hear seven songs. And we are from, ah, I don't want to like give away anything, but we are from slightly different generations or mm. age groups. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would say Jeremy and I belong to one and Kat might belong to one that is a, a little bit different. Um, <laughs> but... I I thought it was so fascinating that in listening to that song in real time, I was like, this sounds like Savage Garden, Cherry Cola. Kat was like, this sounds like Heim, now I'm in it. And Jeremy was like, this sounds like Orbital, Halcyon, on and on. (laughs) And that was within 30 seconds in real time. And that to me is just like kind of genius songwriting and production. Can I go back to I Believe? I think that is the sleeper hit. Yeah. Well, that's probably the most four on the floor dance song. I mean, Welcome to My Island already got like a pretty. uh... Is it a dance song? Can I play it for a second? Yeah. Yeah, it's like Hilary Duff on the Italian stage mm-hmm. in what maybe like shiny lavender pants. You know, this is that song. But we all did it again. Like I immediately went to the olive hit, mm-hmm. You're Not Alone, <laughs> immediately. And we both saw Fru Fru in it, Kat. I'm pointing to you. Um, and there is this kind of, and all of those artists, the Hillary the Hillary Duff, Lizzie McGuire inclusion there are all women singing about the like desire, reaching for it without necessarily immediately grabbing onto it. And it's funny that we all found different references in that song too. So let me ask you guys a question. Other than just like the references, like what is it about the, these songs, like, is there like a cohesion to all of these different sounds here on this album? Like, what do you guys think? There is a dedication to the theme of mania and um, absolutely like through the sonic switch ups and then also in the lyrics and the sort of like death, pleasure, risk, starvation, that aspect of it. And then there's also a devotion to just like really good singing and achieving that bliss through a, a beautiful note or a delivery. I think those are two through lines of the album. I I also want to say that, you know, she described her writing process or what she wanted to evoke from this in an interview as, quote unquote, lateral spiraling. 
And <laughs> and I think that that is such, again, a really clever way to say I'm pulling from a lot and I'm bouncing. I'm like freewheeling, free falling through this. But I want to take a second to talk about the Danny Harl of it all, because a lot of these influences, you know, he is a PC music adjacent pop music electronic producer who also has his own collective of Harlequor, who are a bunch of producers and musicians. And they are all also building like I I went to a I have to say I went to a Gen Z Harlequor rave in London <laughs> and stayed for a very long time, mm. but you walk in and it's like, this is the world that Danny made. It is an aesthetic. It is. What's, a, what's the aesthetic? The aesthetic is like. Like medieval rave. Yeah. Yes. Um, but with a lot of like pleasure first, you know, it's not like kind of the blissed out um, staring at the ceiling of the 90s, you know, the ecstasy of the 90s. It's kind of like intentional and present. Mm. It's like. Boing, 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 I'm having so much fun. Yeah. This man, like, Dana Hart is a man who knows to have fun. I've Mm -hmm. never seen someone with a more fun TikTok, I will say. And, I mean, you know, on Bunny is a Rider, there was that crying baby, and he had just become a father or was just about to become a father. And in, I believe, there are these, like, huge trance synths that hit, and he is someone who, like trades on on the like influences of trance music and there's like timbalandy production on billions and it's kind of like this person has used all of his nostalgia and his life experience to create a world and i feel like caroline is right there with him like as a songwriter as a producer you can tell that you can feel both of them in this for me Why would some people be like, this is not for me? I mean, Caroline going on tour with Dua, I was in the room for that, too. And it's not for everyone. You know, if you're going to see Dua Lipa, you're not necessarily, like, saddling up to pregame to Caroline Polachek. I mean, I was. I was there for it. (laughs) But even as fans, there are things about this album that didn't hit as hard and, like, we weren't necessarily raving about in the same way we were other songs. Were there things or songs on this album that, you know, a slight misstep in your mind or something that you weren't as big of a fan of? Um, definitely, I feel like all of us were a little bit colder on Butterfly Net. To me, it's a song where, like, if you're a princess and you're, like, looking at the well or whatever, like, you'll sing the song to the well. Like, that's the best way I can describe it. (laughs) But it's just, like, it feels slightly less dynamic than some of the other songs. Mm -hmm. My one theory about Butterfly Net is that there are clanking noises at the end. And I think those are the butterflies trapped inside the plane from Hit Me Where It Hurts. There we go. Wow. Deep lore. My only hesitation about Caroline Polachek is that sometimes I feel like she's sort of neither fish nor fowl, right? Like she isn't this pop auteur and she isn't quite this mainstream stadium sellout pop star. She can kind of like 
split the difference, which I think works most of the time. But sometimes I, I have a hard time figuring out where like where she is in like the don't, great matrix of the world. Don't put that butterfly in a net. I shouldn't. Jared. I should <laughs> let it run free. <laughs> <laughs> Caroline Polachek, I'll just say it. Caroline Polachek sold out of thongs that said Bunny is a rider on them. Mm-hmm. I think that once these phrases that she sort of invents sort of sink into your subconscious, those are the things that will last and become more long lasting than something that is a little more Instagram commenty or sort of like speaks to like a temporary fleeting emotion. I think these songs are just going to create deeper grooves in people's heads the more like they listen and the more the longer they last because there's something so singular about like what she's saying and how she's saying it. Okay, well, thanks for being here. It was great having you, Kat. Thanks for having me. It was so much fun. Nice to see you, Jeremy. I'm so glad I spent Valentine's Day with both of you. <laughs> the Pitchfork Review is a production of Condé Nast. You can read Kat's review of Caroline Polachek's new album, Desire, I Want to Turn Into You, at pitchfork.com. And you can find Kat at KatZang1 on Twitter. Catherine Fenelosa at Rococo Punch is our senior producer. James Trout at Rococo Punch is our technical producer. Ryan Dobble is our showrunner. Jessica Gramulia is our music supervisor. I'm the editor of Pitchfork, Pooja Patel. Thanks for listening.